you know, I was I was I was thinking, yeah, during during my time away, <laughs> and and yeah. uh, if if we can't come up with a cold open, then then I think you should just insert that two second clip of Daniel Craig just going, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend, and then just kick off the song. <laughs> uh, I will consider it. I feel like that's another one of those. I mean, it's a podcast, so like, who's gonna sue us? I mean, it's two seconds. You can't. It has to be like thirty seconds for anything to be for you to be copyright infringed. You think Daniel Craig's estate would come after us for that? Probably no, not. No, he him, he himself will uh, with his baby carrier. <laughs> and I'm not okay. I'm not poking fun at it. I'm just fair enough. I, he he will do what he has to to come. I'm sorry, you. he'll. Oh, um, <laughs> beep boop, gotta go, bye. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's Friday, April 2nd, and welcome to Quick Save, the saving content podcast. I'm your host, Evan Rowe. With me today is Scott Ellison. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing really good. Really good. Really good. Fantastic. I love to hear that. What's why? Why really good and not just I'm good or saw right or whatever? Uh, because a I want to say something different each week. Uh, two, uh, <laughs> I am just feeling generally pretty good, and, and where there are times that I am not, so I'm going to cherish this moment. Oh wow! With you. Yeah, you got. You got to cherish the little moments and the big ones, but especially the little ones, I think. What about the medium sized ones? I cherish them all. The equal opportunity cherishing going on here. (laughs) Uh, I I have to ask, does this mean you're keeping like a running spreadsheet of the ways that you have responded to that question every week? No, no, no. I'm just really stabs and hoping that I am saying something different. It feels like a missed opportunity. But it also but seems like, like a lot of work. <laughs> you know, you're right. It, it is a lot of work. And now, like, some of our very dedicated subscribers are going to start making sure that you don't repeat yourself. Like, you've set yourself up for this. Oh, this is true. You know? Accountability. I gotta own yeah, up to man. it. Yeah, man. You gotta you gotta be careful. I can think of one or two people in particular who are gonna hold your feet to the fire over this. So, you either gotta stick to it and, and pray that we don't make it to over 100 episodes or you got to stick to it and, and and just knock it out of the park, I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll, I'll see how long I can I can keep this up for. Or hear me out. This is your chance to just to, to go back on it right away and say, actually, I'm just kidding. I can't do this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> there will be a, a time and a place. And should I need to... Uh, pull that ripcord I can and will all right I believe it and I believe in you Scott thank you hey anytime that's what friends are for what have you been playing lately man uh a fair amount of stuff um man uh I guess I, w- I want to start with a game called accelerate mm. uh so really the kind of like it, it is a game where you drive a car from point A to 
point B. Point B is a finish line, and in between are traps and hazards and things meant to hit you, slow you down, or fling you off the track. Mm. And you have to do this by, you have to get to point B across this finish line by carrying an egg on the top of your car, which is sitting inside of a, a small basket. Mm. So the thing that like in my head I equate this to is the things you would only see on sitcoms where there's <laughs> uh, adult men in, in uh, high-heeled shoes mm-hmm. carrying uh, an egg and a spoon and trying to get across the finish line first. That's kind of how I equate this game like when when I'm playing it. This is like this is a very 80s or 90s sitcom thing just to be clear. Yes, yes, very much an <laughs> 80s 90s sitcom thing to do. Yeah. Huh, okay. Uh there are exactly 30 levels in this game. No more I levels. have completed 29 of the 30. And what's holding you back? <laughs> the the final level is an endurance run of Patience, skill, and my sanity. Ooh. So this gets hard is what you're saying. It does get hard. There there are... It, it appropriately difficulty spikes. Or like there's a difficulty curve at certain points. But then it kind of like... It eases back in the following level. So you have mm-hmm. these ones that like you just kind of get stuck on. And then as soon as you pass it... It's the next one's a lot easier, and then it kind of ramps up again. Huh. So it, it like maintains a level, but yet it still kind of comes up and goes down, which I I really appreciate. Um, Steam says that I've played for eighty one minutes, uh, which is accurate, totally accurate. I've just oh, okay. played it in fits and starts. I'll play for, uh, you know, two three levels in however long that takes me to beat them or whatever and i just kind of turn it off and come back later okay okay I, I really expected that where you were going with that was uh it feels like it's been hours and hours to get to this no. point i mean it does seem like it, it was a lot longer than that but it's not in any way like a, a bad thing it just there were certainly some levels that i just banged my head on because it, it was what it what this game does really well though is it creates urgency by this running timer because there's a uh you can if you just get to the finish line you pass the level and you can move on but there's a part time to beat with a level that uh if you don't do it you don't get a medal uh or the associating achievement mm-hmm. that goes along with beating that level under that time sure so all of my time these 81 minutes is 29 levels with 29 medals and 29 achievements for for those levels (laughs) Um, okay and i currently have 43 out of 87 achievements so i'm not even just just at the halfway mark and but i'm i've only got one level to to complete so is is it like speed running stuff for the bonuses or do you think it's going to unlock more courses or as far as I know, it's only supposed to be 30 levels. Um, the game is out now, so I should be able to see the rest of the ach- achievements that it has that I don't. Mm. Okay, so there's a part-time and then there's a developer time. Oh, for f- okay, yeah. That's where the Fun. remainder of these seem to be coming from. Oh, you love that. You gotta. You have to love that. Oh, yeah, have to. Um. So this is a game... Uh, 
came out yesterday and it's coming out just in time for Easter, you know, eggs. Yep. Uh, yep, of course. It is very much it very much feels like a streamer game where you know you just load it up and you play it for people and just they can harass you for it, they can cheer you on or egg mm-hmm, you on, mm-hmm. if you will. Egg you on. There you go. I like that. Uh it's 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 a it's a simple concept that I think uh just really works. There's a really cool variety in track design. Like it's not like overly impressive or anything, but it, it, it changes it up just enough that it doesn't feel like you're playing the same tracks over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh there is an option in the game where the car that you use either stays the same or it's random each time. Yeah. Uh, I kept it on random. Which can be weird because uh, the vehicles are all different. Like you have pickup trucks to sedans to like ice cream kind of trucks. And the the size and the shape changes just ever so slightly that I, I was never really sure if it made a difference. And, and even the eggs from like their design and colors to the basket design and colors would change. And, and sometimes that would change in size. So I wasn't mm-hmm. actually sure if maybe some vehicles had like more carrying capacity, so to speak, that using this vehicle would would benefit me. I don't have the choice like, ever to select my vehicle. Like any kind of meaningful impact on gameplay? Yeah, I was never really sure. Like kind of a placebo kind of thing. Right. Like if I beat a level because I use this truck that seemingly has a bigger basket, then I thought that that was a better one. But it may not have mattered at all. Sure, it might not have. And you'll never and, know. <laughs> uh, the other thing oh, that wait. I want to say is that like the soundtrack's pretty good. It's pretty uh-huh. bare bones standard, but it's it's good like ambience, I guess. I am almost like I am 99% sure that all of the car sounds are mouth made sounds. Mm. I, I like this. That's that's a choice I can get behind. <laughs> And then, you know, just like audio tuning here and there for the, for the remainder of it. But the, the, like the raw audio you would hear, I am very, very certain is, is human made. I feel like that's a trick I've seen in another game. Oh, I doesn't what the golf do a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like, so, so are the cars, are the car sounds and accelerate things like, like, like that kind of mouth noise or. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. No, that's my jam. Uh, so I, I, I super appreciate that. It's, it's a really cool game. Uh, nice. It's not very expensive. Uh, they are doing like a, a promotion right now with 25% off. That's a, it's a value in any economy. Indeed. Uh, I haven't actually played it since it came out, came out, but so all of my impressions are, are, pre-release but mm. that's that's what i played and uh just <laughs> very very interesting i i just i didn't know what to expect with playing this one i wasn't sure how much i was going to like it or not but it i got i got everything out of that game that i wanted and i'm satisfied awesome uh, uh i am cool. i am not satisfied with the fabled woods Oh, geez. Okay. I, I, I know nothing about this game. So give me the setup. 
<sighs> so this is a game that I know more. I knew more about its RTX features than I did anything else. Okay. Uh, this is a walking simulator to to say it reductively, and it's mm. not inaccurate either. But it I mean, is to tag on the Steam store page, so that's accurate. <laughs> uh, well, fans like users can. No, I know, that. I know. So, but yeah, it it is a walking simulator. Um, but the kind of premise is that people have died, and the game goes uh, goes through explaining how that happened, and okay. then also gives you insight into the killer and what drove them to kill these people. All right. But it is half-baked. And remember how last week I was talking about how Adios had incredible voice work? Yes, yes. And and a lot of really great, like, strong characterizations and strong story beats, right? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Guess what this game doesn't have? Any of that, I would guess. Exactly, yes. You oh, are man. completely right. You hate to see it. <sighs> Uh, I got all the achievements in this game. Hooray. <laughs> uh, so it, it was billed as taking 90 to 90 minutes to 120 minutes to complete. And I did it in 63 minutes. Not really rushing. I mm. walked around as much as I possibly could. You simulated I, the walking. I found the, the Blair Witch reference in the woods. Oh, good. You did it. Uh, it, it's an honest effort, but I feel like it just it really misses the mark, uh, in a lot of a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the storytelling stuff like there's three chapters to the game. There's the two people that were killed, and then there's the killer himself, and the environments that you go through and the mild puzzle solving that you do to get through these environments is very lacking. Um, Mm -hmm. there's this feature where like after you do, so what, what I think that this does well is that you will come upon these environments and you explore them and everything looks normal. Like maybe some stuff is like tussled a bit and looks like something happened, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's kind of a, a peacefulness to the environment. Like there's really nothing odd about what's going on, but after the, the narration completes, then you're um, able to use this ability, uh, which I don't remember what it was called and I don't care, but it, you, your vision goes bright red and you're able to see the environment in a different way. Um, I mean, not just because it's red, but now you, now it's highlighting things and it's usually blood and then, (laughs) okay, sure. So let's say you, you walked from point A to point B this time. Um, when you activate red vision at point B, now you walk back to point A to find some clue that is key to what happened here. Mm. I mean, sometimes you like find the clue like just before you get to point A, but like there's always backtracking every single time. Yeah. And it does its thing to tell you what happened and that's kind of it. Then you move on to the, to the next chapter. And it just, 
it really failed to impress. It really dropped the ball pretty much every time. Well, that's uh, you can you can interact with stuff, but ninety percent of the things you can interact with have nothing to do with what you need to solve. And like, how uh, much solving is there even to do, right? Because like with a walking simulator, often you're just you're uncovering narrative as you experience the world, right? Yeah, it's just pretty much just find the thing, find the right interactive thing, and it will go into this invisible inventory. And that is the thing that you can use to to leave the room or progress the story. It is very, very simple. Like, I don't hate it and I don't want to hate it. I just I just wanted more. Yeah, you you, like it sounds like the setup is at least decent. Yeah, I mean, like, this could go places. Like, if there's a sequel, this could do more and and do better. Like, there's potential for that. Um, But I think... I think really the thing to, like, talk most about The Fabled Woods is the RTX features that I let in with. Okay. Uh, So the game does ray tracing. So you've got ray tracing for real-time reflections on the water surfaces, which there are many of. And then since you're in a forest, all of the light and shadow ray tracing that takes place uh, is extremely gorgeous. Like, this is a very gorgeous game. Uh, It also has DLSS. Um, I ran DLSS in quality mode and got, like, a solid 60 frames per second. Okay. Okay. And then when I put it to uh, balanced, I got, like, 80 frames per second. So I kind of... I ran like the rest of the game in balanced mode. Mm-hmm. And that felt good. I didn't really notice a difference if I put it all the way in quality mode. Interesting. But I like took a screenshot of, yeah. of uh, like on off stuff. Mm-hmm. And like in some scenes, it's not that big a deal, but then in others it is. Um, and it, it really is mostly like the water and shadows that make the biggest difference. Mm, okay. Um, without any of the rtx features turned on like it's very pretty on its own but like all the shadows are just kind of like blurry and just not detailed but then when you have rtx on you get like these really detailed shadows of leaves from the trees and it just looks Uh really good interesting Um, yeah i mean that tracks with what i've seen with some rtx features in other games right uh in the past you know six plus months where you know, you, you basically see it being used to increase the amount of photorealism in a, in a scene, right? And it's like subtle effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because like, I, I saw this in like even in control, right? And I saw this in the medium where, you know, ray tracing is being used to do some really cool stuff with real-time reflections and, and they look phenomenal. But it's also the kinds of details that like, you need DLSS on so that the frame hit from computing those ray, the ray casting doesn't totally destroy your frames. Right. And you spend so much time in motion in those games that you don't even notice that stuff until you stop to look at it deliberately. And so like, it's like, man, I don't know. Like it's, I'm not trying to say I don't love those features because they're wonderful to look at. And you can be like, yes, my computer is, is making, real-time reflections in this glass right now. What are you going to do about it? Um, 
but like what is it actually adding in a lot of cases yeah i mean so it felt like for me that this game was really more of like a, a tech demo and yeah. like uh and they've been upfront about the fact that this is unreal engine 4 and they just basically use the rtx plugin for unreal 4 engine 4 to bring all this stuff in um which is i mean probably amazing for for development but it, it i think there's some issues with that a little bit like i mean like not every scene looks its best and i don't know if that comes down to an rtx thing or if it's an art thing or what but like there is just some stuff about it that doesn't look right but mm. i will say by having it on i was a little more immersed into the things that i was doing yeah even though i didn't really have that much playtime with the game overall sure um i think well, the game, a game used like that its atmosphere like a- and sound in a yeah. way that like I, I got a little unsettled here and there. Like I got goosebumps at like one point in the game. Like I just, I, and a lot of that had to deal with like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like I, I knew that it was mainly a walking simulator, but I didn't know if there was jump scares. I didn't know, you know, just that. Yeah. I think that, so like a second time through, I don't think I'm going to feel those feelings again, but I'm probably going to play it a second time. It's <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, it's cool for what it is. I just, I don't think I could recommend it to anybody. I don't think there's really anything in here, even for its RTX thing. Like, even if you had an RTX card and even if you wanted to play something that used its features, this is not a game to do that. Like, suppose someone had explored every RTX game and they were just waiting for the next thing. Like, just, it's not enough. Like, you're, you don't need to buy this game to to experience more games with features like this. Nope. <laughs> Sure don't. Uh, I don't think that there's anything like patchable here. It's just if if they get the opportunity to make a sequel or whatever their next game is entirely, like they are going to learn from that and possibly do better. But uh, this just this really just didn't land in, in terms of what it was trying to do. Yeah, fair enough. But I tell you, I love Evil Genius too. Mm, I am so happy to hear that. It is incredibly good. Uh, mixed mixed uh, reviews uh, across Metacritic mm-hmm. and, and Open Critic. I am I am on the high side of of the reviews, but I don't think that I am wrong. Nor is anybody who <laughs> thought less of it. Uh, it just it just hit all the right notes for me. Yeah. Uh, we don't really have many like dungeon layer builders anymore like no certainly got a bunch of city builders and that though they are great those are great but this this is a very specific thing that this game is doing that others are not and and i really love the original game i do too i i have a great deal of reverence for the original evil genius which was what 2004 yeah um that game was, it was like a weird little quirky twist on that dungeon, uh, dungeon create. What'd you call it again? Like a dungeon. Um, Dun- I said dungeon builder. Um, dungeon but, builder. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like dungeon keeper was yes, the first. Yes, and that's the thing that comes to mind. Right. Um, and yeah, like a, it's, a, it's a very different take on that genre, which already was relatively narrow, I think. Um, hmm. and, and I loved it cause like, you know, it just, 
I, I'm a sucker for anything that goes into, you know, the very like 1960s Saul Bass aesthetic, um, you know, this like the, the cartoony depiction of of spy stuff from that era that it, it lifts from. Like, I just I think that stuff's great. I. I can't help but see how like the, the main villain of the game max how clearly uh austin powers in, inspired the design of, of of austin powers the movie having dr evil and like right. how much max resembles that like i just there's always that connection there's always that like that's obviously what they drew inspiration from uh, mm-hmm. but this time they they added more uh villain playable villains i mean they had three playable villains in like the first game the only one that returns is Max sure. and they have three new ones. One of the new evil geniuses, if you will, uh, is actually was a henchman in the first game. So he's kind of like self-promoted into being uh, a supervillain, which I thought mm-hmm. was like a nice, like if you've paid attention to that game, like it's a nice little touch. That's fun. Yeah. If you know who that is. Yes. Uh, but this, I mean, this game does exactly kind of what the first one did, but better and, and like bigger. That's awesome. Like it, it, it doesn't miss a step with like where it kind of left off in that first game in terms of like what it was going for. Like it's still very much 1960s stuff and like mm-hmm. envisioning of like what that kind of sort of future tech is like yeah. and like the the color palette, like there's a lot of pastels and like just bright, gaudy colors that are used mm-hmm. that like you would not see today. And so like the the aesthetics is very much retained, even though it's like running in a completely new engine. Which I guess I'll talk about like the technical stuff first. Like the, I had this game running at 160 to 165 frames per second all the mm. time. Nice. no matter whether i was zoomed in no matter whether i had like a, a completely full base full of people doing their own thing full of humming machines full of traps full of this and that like no matter what was going on it was constant mm-hmm. yeah and that's so running like, on ultra even with heavy simulation yeah like no matter what it was doing no matter how congested the scene was it was still 160 frames per second or better nice totally amazing yeah um so this was another game that i was playing prior to release so in that time uh the launcher that that comes up it asks you do you want to play this in vulcan or DirectX 12 Mm. um i played it in vulcan and at least in pre-release um if if i like pause the game or i just let it sit idle and I walked away, the game would freeze. And so I would, I would have to alt F for it and restart. But if I use DirectX 12, that never happened. Not once. Weird. But every time I used Vulkan, it would happen. So I've, I eventually just stopped launching the Vulkan version, even though that there was patches and stuff. I just stopped altogether just so I wouldn't either lose progress, which it, the game will do um, automatically uh, on an interval. Um, but I just never wanted to lose progress. So I just stuck with DX 12. 
Interesting. That's that's actually really surprising to hear because I feel like Vulcan implementations are typically pretty stable and and performant. Yeah, or I mean, like sometimes even better than their DirectX. Uh, right. Yeah. Counterpart, and this just was that one edge case where it wasn't. You hate to see it. And and I was using the same like because I'm playing this review, I was juggling multiple campaigns trying to to get a feel for each of the different villains but in the cases where it kept crashing i focused on a single campaign to weed this issue out and see if it was something about my you know my save or whatever but no it was it was vulcan each and every time where it froze every single time hmm. so buyer beware i guess it could be patched uh i don't know i i will look into it but uh it's just incredibly performant, this game. Like, nice. If they have fixed Vulcan, like, cool. But I mean, no matter what, I was still getting 160 frames per second in, in both APIs. Like, nice. Yeah. This is just a gorgeous game. Like, it is so crisp. Like, there's no sharpening here. It is just hmm. really great art. And nice. it, the there's like this um, when you go to like carve a room out in the base they use these like uh, guns that kind of like suck up the dirt and like go into their gun. And just like the way that all that looks is just really smooth and just, it just pops with color and it is just, it is such a pretty game to look at. And it's not really surprising why they added a photo mode to the game. Uh, And it's, it kind of makes perfect sense because like you want a photo mode where you can turn off like maybe all the minions in your base or whatever, turn off like, anything that can maybe be getting in the way, but like you can then take a picture from like an overhead perspective and then like show out, show your layout of the base. Like your like maybe like most efficient design or something like that and share that a whole lot easier than trying to take a screenshot, manipulating the in-game camera to, to maybe get the angle that you want or waiting for someone to come up with some sort of like camera hack to do the same thing. So they just kind of make it easy. That's good. Very kind of them. Very, very kind. I'm still really hung up on this like dirt suck up thing that you talked about. It's, it's why like is that not? I don't know. It's just something about the way you described that like won't leave my head. It's like a so it's like a really big portal gun. And then, yeah, they just it just sucks up the 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 dirt as they carve out the room. And it's, <laughs> sure. It is fun to watch. Oh, I tell bet. you. Uh, so how do you play this game, right? Yeah, how do you play this game? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, as the subtitle implies, there's there's a much stronger focus with world domination, global domination. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and... <sighs> Sorry, I'm having to exhale a lot because I'm just... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like very hyper about the game. Are you waiting to exhale at all? No, I am not waiting to exhale. I have exhaled. Okay. So money is a very important factor of the game. Uh, Money is just gold. Gold is money. Bones are money. Bones are not their money. Oh, okay. This game's not for me. (laughs) It's a shame. I have to turn my back on it. Uh, So so you've kind of got a steady cash flow that kind of just happens. Uh, part of that is because you are running a cover operation of a casino in your base. Uh, 
Sure. So you have tourists coming to spend money in the casino and you actually can build up that part too. Right. So you can actually put the layout of your slot machines, of your card tables, of your like entertainment, the bars, all of that stuff. You actually have control of where that stuff goes. I, I get why casinos or why it's a casino and why um, all three bases have it. But I was kind of hoping that maybe by like playing a certain evil genius that the cover operation would be different. Yeah, you'd almost expect to have different fronts for different characters or different bases, locales or whatever. Yeah, so there's none of that. So uh, of the four campaigns of three locations that you can choose from, it's always a casino cover operation. It's not like a big deal, but I just, I wasn't expecting that. I kind of thought that you would have either a choice or you would just be given something different. And that just didn't happen. And that's fine. The thing is that casinos and hotels are a very large places that are good for concealing other very large things like evil Mm -hmm. genius bases. They also, and I know this because I've watched television, uh, (laughs) they make for really good money laundering operations, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So having that built in like front of house, especially if you're a, a bad person trying to do bad stuff, um, seems convenient. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, so, I mean, that's like one way to make money, but that's not going to make you a lot of money. So yeah. the other thing to do is to scout uh, different regions of different countries by sending your minions there to, to start doing work. And once they've uh, cr- uh, set up a network there, then you can send the minions out on schemes who will uh, hatch different plans to steal money with different values. So like uh, high target things can be like worth 50,000 in gold. uh, Whereas like lower target ones will, will maybe be like 10 or 20,000 in gold. Mm -hmm. And the trade off there is that for each scheme that you activate, there is a heat level associated with it. Mm. And if you reach a threshold of heat, then that region goes into lockdown and you can't do anything in that region until that lifts until the timer expires. So hmm. one of the ways that you can mitigate that is that within that region, there are things where you can actually pay to lower the heat. Ah, yes, of course. So you use the same gold from your, your vault to pay for these things, but then you can ultimately make more money from that as long as you're managing the heat properly. Mm-hmm. And then back at your base, you have to build a vault to store the gold that you're using and accruing. And there, there is a maximum. So it's for as big as the vault room is, the more it can hold. So if you don't make it very big, you're only going to be able to hold so much, which can probably by mid game start to hinder you from, from doing things uh, as far as like expansions and like more meaningful upgrades. And all the while you're you're doing these things and maybe you're building out your base, like you, uh, power is also very important. You have to have enough power to power the base and all of the oh yeah, the items that you're placing within that base. Well, and something something's got to power your weather changing machines and your death rays and yes, yes, your, and then secret agent torture traps. <laughs> you've got your your barracks, which has to house the lockers, which uh, controls how many minions you can have in your lair. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like a mess hall so that they can keep up their energy. Then there's a staff room that will uh, restore their like uh, stamina kind of thing. And then there's like sure. a, a brainwashing room that <laughs> will restore their uh, like mental acuity that, that yeah, is kind of sure. lost from from <laughs> from from doing all these various tasks and their D- jobs and stuff. D- definitely not reprogramming them to be obedient or anything no, like that. No, not at all. No, no, no. Nothing like that. Um you can even build a um inner sanctum for your evil genius. It's Yeah. If you play through the tutorial, um it's several hours before that becomes a thing. Um but if you if you launch into the game without the tutorial, which I would highly recommend it playing the game at least one time through with the tutorial turned on. It is extremely helpful. Uh, I couldn't imagine playing the game without it. I mean, like not yeah. doing it the, for the first time at least. I, I um, mean, even if you haven't played a game like this in a long time, which most people probably haven't, like it sounds like it's beneficial. It is is extremely beneficial. Um, I mean, there's things like upgrades and research trees. So there's there's a research tree item that will... Uh, make it so you can access the other floors of your lair. So you've got, you start off always on like level one, but there's a basement level, which I like to store all my, I eventually like to move all my power to the basement. Oh, sure. And then, uh, you know, a second level and a third level. And the only thing that I, I guess I have a problem with on that is that there's not an easy way to move your rooms once you've already established them. Hmm. You have to kind of go through this process of like selling off all of the things in the room, like maybe filling that room back up with dirt or repurposing it to be a different room, which you also have to fill it back up with dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, hmm. And then like, I just kind of wish you could like make a snapshot of what that room is and then paste that snapshot into another floor and then it just builds it out spends the money and all that stuff like it doesn't it's not like a cost saving thing just it reuses everything but it saves you time right yeah and it, it doesn't do that and i think that would be a big quality of life thing since like the big focus is being able to expand your layer and have these multiple levels not having that ability is like really slows you down yeah it's i feel like the original game had the same problem with moving rooms right yeah um, <clears throat> I feel like this is a hard problem to solve in this genre. Cause like, what are you supposed to do? Like, I mean, are you know, would you just literally propose that you just like pick it up and, and drop it into a different spot? Like, or, or is it just kind of like that there need to be better quality of life things around? Like I need, I need to put the, the same kind of stuff in another place. Um, yeah, because I mean, you can, when you uh, place items, you can click and hold and then you can reposition it, rotate it or whatever still, but that doesn't really solve the problem entirely uh, when, when going right. between floors um, because, because of the way the UI works, you might misclick and then you've placed this item in a different room on the same floor, but you were trying to click the button to take you to the other floor. Mm-hmm. Um, not in big deal but it it is just one of those things that like it doesn't need to be a problem but it still is yeah 
not a big deal in the grand scheme. Like I, I didn't have to do it too much. Um, or the other solution was I just built another room on the same level and just dealt with it for the time being. Uh, cause I mean, there's not a limit to how many of the same rooms you can build on a, on a certain floor. So yeah. I just built an, another one to accommodate what I needed, which in most cases was the command center because you have to build a command center, which will, um, hold radio satellites that do the communication to your, uh, crime networks in those regions to commit the schemes. So there's there's a lot of interplay with a lot of the systems. Like you have to build this room to have access to this item, which this item lets you do this thing on this other interface. It's it's all good. It's just this is why the tutorial is important. Is because it teaches you all of these things. It does it very slowly and you're able to kind of keep pace with it as it's introducing new things. Right. Uh, all the while you have main objectives, side stories and optional objectives to complete as you're going through the game. So the game does its best to kind of give you a story and then also give you like nudge you towards the things that you should be doing. Um, so like the main missions are very big, um, overarching things that take time to complete. So it might be like, um, stealing a scientist from a different region or three different regions and then bringing them back to your base for interrogation. A side story is like recruiting a henchman to join you. And having a henchman provides better security. It will um, give you different abilities to use and things like that within your base. Uh, like it might make a, like the security, like if, if you get like a security focused henchman, then this, your security team will be more, uh, they'll respond better to incidents that, uh, that occur. Yeah. Things like that. And then the optional objectives are pretty much things that you're going to do anyway, but by tracking them, thing, those things or those coming into your like tracking, uh, you will then be able to collect rewards, which is usually just cash or gold that adds to your vaults. So mm -hmm. it's just, if there's like a certain task of like have 20 guards uh, like on staff, then you'll get 20,000 gold. So you like, you'll spend some money getting them like trained and, and brought in or whatever, but then you'll make more than that money back by completing that task. Right. So you're always incentivized to do them. Even if like, maybe that's not what your next task was going to be. Sure. You eventually, you eventually have enough of them that like, you can go, Oh, that's the one I want to focus on. Yeah. Or like, this is what I was going to do already. So I'll just finish what I was doing and get this bonus. Um, I learned a lot while playing this game. Like, Oh, I don't know. Like the door that separates your layer to the, to the floor of the casino, maybe have some better security there so that, <laughs> so that a, when you have someone in interrogation and they break out, they can't just immediately run out the door with like no problem or the sure. inverse, the inverse being that like you can't have uh, an agent from another region come in and just sneak its way into your base and start disrupting shit. Um, so I eventually learned to, uh, you can set like security levels on doors 
Mm-hmm. So like level one is like minimal security. It'll pretty much just open right away. And then you've got level three, which is like it's high scrutiny and it slows you down. So what I ended up doing was creating this labyrinth of doors, of reinforced doors as well, uh, that would have enough space so that they were all level three. So they're extremely slow. And then on top of that, I would install traps in between every set of doors. So there mm-hmm. was like one for a boxing glove. There was one for classic slippery floor. There was one for foam. There was uh, a zapper. All sorts of traps like that, right? Very classic stuff. There's even a, a, a pool full of sharks trap that you can build. Yes. And so I just set up this labyrinth for anybody who's coming or going. It was highly inconvenient for my people, but it certainly was for the best if someone was trying to break out or someone was trying to break in that I could catch them because at least when someone breaches, um, like one of your minions will like come on the radio and be like, someone has intruded and there's like a little icon that pops up that like shows that this person doesn't belong here. Mm -hmm. And um, if you recall in the first game, there was the yellow alert and red alert statuses. Mm -hmm. This time there's only a red alert, which I'm kind of bummed about. And Hmm. it's a press and hold to activate red alert. And I'm also not a fan of that, but I got used to it. Yeah. Um, Because what's interesting is that they will give you notifications like, Oh, there, there are rumors that, the forces of justice are going to come to the base and do some investigating and they're going to try to break in. That would be a good thing that like, I wish I could do yellow alert so I could reduce. Cause, because what I really want to do is I want to reduce the minions that are like susceptible to, to other agents and get them off the floor. But I, I still want security to be doing their thing and roaming and, and, and things like that. When you go to red alert, everyone runs and hides Security leaves their posts and they immediately charge the person. Mm-hmm. And because you don't really have individual control of who goes where or what. And I, I wish that was just a little more granular or as granular as it was in the first game, but it is what it is. And I ultimately I'm fine with it. It's just there are certainly instances where I wish it was different. Um. But yeah, it's 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 cool with like when you start to get the hang of it and then like you start experimenting with the things like I like I did with the doors. Like when you get that part down, then like you feel awesome because like you know that like no one's really gonna get in or out. You're gonna slow them down enough that you can send your security team to them, apprehend them, or worst case, if if they're like uh pretty crafty, because there are even agents who can bypass your traps because of sure the type of agent they are. But if they're crafty Maybe I I will just kill them outright. Mm. (laughs) And so anytime anybody dies in this game, they get put in a Mm -hmm. body bag and thrown in an incinerator. Yep. That's what you do with them. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You can't, you can't have any evidence on either side, either yours or, or theirs. No, you can't, you can't prove anything if there's no body. It's, it's a damn good game. I think does that if, does that but, do anything to like raise your your heat levels or like nothing, is there, nothing there, whatsoever? It is just it is just hmm. a, I guess a gag. Okay, fair in enough. a way. I mean, it's for cleanliness, uh, of course. But I mean, of course, of course. I I think that's just kind of the right way to handle it. The other right way to handle things is that there's no bathrooms in this game, 
So like, oh, yeah, okay. you have to set up like entertainment. You have to set up training rooms. You have to set up, you know, the, the, uh, the barracks and all that, the food court, but there's no bathrooms. There is a, a decorative item of a, of a bathroom door that has okay. yellow caution tape over it. Uh, smart. Yeah. So I, I just, it's, it's things like that, that just like make you smile. Right. You're just like, I'm glad I, cause I mean, like if you think of like two point hospital, you had to build bathrooms all the time. Oh God, that's true. You did. And like, you just don't have to worry about that here. And there's like, I'm not missing it. Like, I'm not thinking like, oh man, I wish I could build the perfect bathroom. Like, no. Well, and, and that makes a lot of sense when you talk about evil genius, right? Cause you know, with two point hospital, it makes sense that a hospital, you would want to have bathrooms in that management sim. Um, yeah. And here it's like, you don't want, you don't want, you know, something stupid like the human body's needs getting in your way when you're trying to build your evil lair. Yeah. Like food and sleep is enough. You don't need anything more biological than that. <laughs> food and sleep is enough. Put it on the box. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like if, if you are returning to the series, like if you played the first one and are getting into this one, you're going to love it. Like it is just, it, it hits all the right notes. It does exactly what you want it to do. And it is not disappointing. If you're, if you're new to this kind of game, like if you like city builders and you've never played a dungeon keeper or the first game, like there's more than enough tutorial here that will ease you in. And the, there's a lot of game here across the four campaigns. The, so the three layers that you can choose from really don't matter. It's just the layouts that change. There's yeah. challenge in the the way you'll have to lay out your base, and that's it. But the different campaigns are different because each villain has a different like specialty. Um, and like Max doesn't really have a specialty. He just kind of exists and he loves gold, so he does really well with gold. <laughs> okay. uh, but then there's one that's like really focused on science, one that's really focused on like the social game. And then one of them that's like really focused on combat. Like he likes to be in the thick of combat and fight with his security. I got you. So like that's his thing and he can, he can boost what security is doing. Um, so like that's where. Real hands-on kind of type. Come. Yeah. Very hands-on. So I think nearly 20 years was a really good time for the series to kind of like be away, but I sure as hell missed it. And I'm glad it's here. I'm glad there's a sequel. It is really damn good. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was kind of weird because it's just been so long. It's one of those things where you think, is this game ever going to get revisited? Um, so I remember being really surprised, but pleasantly. So when the, they announced that they were working on another one. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I remember reading a thing like several years ago that rebellion was shopping around to find someone to make a sequel and they didn't, find anybody so as far as i understand they did it like in-house they just they really wanted to do it so they just did it themselves good for them good for them i i hope it's very successful yeah uh i mean they've got a season pass plan so uh like new evil geniuses more like expansion stuff so they've got plans for this game and i and i hope it hope it all pays off and we can see a third one that doesn't take 20 years yeah, yeah, that'd be great. What have you been playing? I want to talk to you about Monster Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is 
it's not really the only thing I've been playing, but it's the main thing I've been playing. Um, and it's, it's kind of nuts because I was very excited about World when it came out and then I ended up not playing nearly as much of it as I thought I would. Um, and we talked about this exact thing last week about, you know, how we kind of both bounced off of it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, man, like, so, so Monster Hunter Rise is, is the new Monster Hunter game on the Nintendo Switch, which was a little surprising to me when they announced this because I was like, man, okay, so after making the jump over to, you know, the big, uh, like, quote, full size, I guess, consoles, like, you know, the, the PlayStation and the Xbox and the PC. Like it's I, I was sort of expecting that Monster Hunter was just going to stay off of like more portable devices. Right. Um, particularly considering the last several generations of Monster Hunter games had been on Nintendo's hardware, like the DS and the 3DS alike. And I guess I guess it was on the Wii U as well. I think there was one. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I think the, I can't remember if it was a port. Or, or like or what but anyway um so you know they announced monster hunter rise for the switch i'm like wow this is crazy they're going back to a nintendo handheld ish and i was really skeptical about whether it was like how it was going to translate because world was such a big jump forward in a lot of ways to modernize and streamline a lot of systems in Mon monster hunter that had been points of friction that people would bounce off of myself included mm -hmm. um and so I was like, are they going to go back to some of the old way of doing things? And, and I talked about this game a little bit back when I played the demo a few months ago uh, on the show. But, you know, that was still only like it didn't show off what all the systems were going to be. It was just like, hey, here's here's what going out into the field and hunting looks like. And so we already knew that Rise is it's got the same like, you know, full or open world map system that World had, which is great. You know, you don't have to worry about transitioning between numbered zones like in the older titles. Okay. Um, so it preserves a lot of the things that World did to make the game feel a little more accessible. Um, they, they've done some some things to like kind of scale some of the scope back and make it feel a little more suited for handheld like pick up and play kind of stuff. Because um, like hunts can... You know, the normal single player hunts can take 10, 12 minutes at a time. It's not that bad. Like you can get through a monster pretty quickly by yourself, uh, which is great because if you just have 15 or 20 minutes to play, you can literally pick up your switch, select a quest, go out there, hunt the monster, kill it, come home. You're good. You can go on, do something else. Um, granted, that's not how a lot of people end up playing Monster Hunter, but um, <laughs> that's how you play it. It is, well, yes and no. Um, I have been doing it in fits and starts, and I've also been doing it in longer sessions, and it works great in both. My big, com well, gosh, I have, there's so much ground to cover. Where to even begin? Um, I should back up a little bit. Well, here, uh, here's the question that I want an answer for. Okay. Will I want to play this when it comes to Steam? Yeah, no, that's, the, and that's kind of where I, I wanted to start. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you asked. Let's, let's kind of get into that. Um, <laughs> So uh, there's been a lot of discussion about Monster Hunter Rise over the like since its release um, and a lot of people saying this is the most accessible Monster Hunter has ever been uh, slash, you know, this is the easiest one to get into. And I think those things are true, but. I also think that that is true for people who have been playing the series already. 
and not necessarily for people who are newcomers who, who may have bounced off really hard before. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the things that it does that are really great is again, it's, it does more of that streamlining. It does more of that simplifying of systems to make some things less overwrought. It gets rid of a lot more of the tedium. A lot more things are automatic. A lot of unnecessary things are just gone. Um, and, and so it, it does that same thing I talked about with Valheim and like what a lot of really smart games do is it gets out of your way in a lot of ways. It lets you just play it. So like, you know, crafting of things is automatic when you pick up materials. And I think World had that as well. But it, that's that's here again. You know, player traversal and mobility is is extremely fun, right? Um, you can get around the world with the wire bugs that let you do some crazy acrobatic stuff. Uh, you can you can straight up just run up any freaking wall in the environment that you can see, like which is kind of incredible. <laughs> so almost everything is climbable in this game. Like you can you can there's an incredible amount of verticality. You can just go up to the tops of things you don't think you should be able to get to the top of. And there's points to collect things. There's there's like really good vantage points up there. Like they build the stuff in and they really encourage exploration. Um, so that stuff's all really exciting. What the game doesn't do is teach you how to play Monster Hunter, right? Huh. Like if you if you're coming into this having never played one before and you don't under like if you if you're not familiar with the concepts and if you don't know how basic combat mechanics in a Monster Hunter game work or what the whole gameplay loop is and what the point is, this doesn't do anything to tell you that. Um so like let's let's kind of go back to what some of your issues with World were, right? Like if I remember correctly, you liked the combat, but I, I think part of why you bounced off of it was a systems were, were still kind of overcomplicated um, and B, uh, the need to repeat fights and farm monsters and grind in order to get the gear you wanted. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't like, yeah, I, I guess the grind d- does tend to get to me in a lot of games. It, there are very few where it, it won't it, like those things won't bother me. But it felt like I had to grind a little too much to get the things that I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think, well, so for the most part, like I remember we have this this happen in World where even early game, we were having to repeat hunts for the same monsters like three or four times potentially to get the gear we needed for, for a certain piece of armor or a weapon. Mm-hmm they have done a lot of things to really cut down on that in rise. And so there are a lot of more ways to get the parts that you need from monsters in the same hunt. Um, so let's see, you know, there's always been the ability to like break off certain monsters tails, right. And those get you special parts. Um, you can break pieces of the monsters off during the fights, depending on the type of damage you're doing and depending on the attacks you're doing. And basically as long as you're just hitting them hard enough, you're going to break stuff off of them and you're going to get freebie item pickups throughout the fight, which is really handy. Um, the game also has like, it's totally redone the mounting system. And so now it's, it's been replaced with what's called like wyvern writing or wyvern writing, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, I still don't know what the right way to pronounce that is. Well, <laughs> I, don't I always hear it two ways. I always hear yeah, it two I different hear ways. Same, same. Um, so now like you can either do enough, of a particular type of damage to a monster, which basically like aerial aerial combat damage is, is gives you the blue numbers you want that indicate you're getting it close to being able to mount up and pilot it basically. Um, or if another monster, like another big one comes into the arena and they start fighting, which 
if another one shows up, they're always going to do it. Then one will whittle the other one down enough that you can get on it and use that to, you know, you can basically have a big monster on monster battle and it's super fun. And so if it's, if it's in the, if it's the, the intervening monster, you can just hop on and start doing tons of damage to the one that you're trying to take out and it'll drop a ton of shards and parts off of it. Or if it's the one that you're trying to take out, you immediately just try and stun the other one with it so that it puts the other one in a mountable state and you hop off and switch monsters and then do the thing <laughs> you want to do. And so there's just like glowing monster parts all over the, the, the area that you're in, which is great. Um, so for the most part, for any piece of gear I've wanted to craft, I've been able to craft most stuff with a single hunt. Um, and then, you know, maybe a second one, right? Okay. Um, and so the game, uh, Monster Hunter Rise does an interesting thing where it breaks up the quest lines into two distinct tracks, right? There's the, what are they call the village quests, which are like the easier versions of the monsters. And that's like the single player focus thing. And like the hunts you're supposed to do by yourself. And then there's the hub quests, which are basically the same ones, but the monsters have way more health. They hit way harder and they're intended to be played in multiplayer lobbies. Um, and you can solo them. I have done it several times and that's easier to do in the early phases. It gets harder um, and much more time consuming as you rank up. Um, those progressions are technically separate. However, it's kind of built so that you'll go through the single player stuff once and you'll do the easy versions of the monsters and then you might pop over to do the multiplayer versions of the hunts. Um, and so if you're progressing both quest systems, you're going to get most of the materials you need just from running the quests. Um, now that might change as you hit the late game. And that's the thing is I'm, I'm still like, I'm not even, I'm still relatively early game and still relatively low rank. So my guess is there's a difficulty ramp with this, but I have found sure. it way less tedious and I have found the combat to be so much fun and the actual like process of getting out into hunts to be so much more entertaining that for so far, I haven't felt the same way um, that I did about world even, which is like, I don't think the grind aspect is nearly as bad. Um, okay. So, so like I, again, like, you know, and, and you have played some monster hunter, you've put some hours into world. So yeah, presumably this is a thing that you might like. Um, but I, I guess it kind of depends on what some of the other challenges you felt you had with world might've been. Uh, I think that really was it. Um, I guess for the most part, I mean like the, the actual fighting and like the length of fighting a monster, I didn't have a problem with. Mm -hmm. I, I thought the prep stuff was cool. Like the cooking the yeah. food and eating, mm -hmm. eating the food to, to prep, like totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess maybe the, like the time, like the travel time to, from like getting on the airship Ooh. to getting to the monster, maybe I thought was a yeah. bit much. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. That is all, all very streamlined as well. So like the eating to prep for hunts is still there. You now actually can kind of pick your buffs that you get, which I, you could do before as well. But the way they, they do that is like, is very different, but you, you basically you pick three buffs and you have a certain percentage chance for each of them to activate. Um, and they're basically just like little sticky, like sticky buns on a stick. There's three of them and they're, uh, you know, whatever <laughs> it's, they're very cute. Um, and so you eat that food, you get your health boost, you get your stamina boost, and then you get up to three buffs that activate. Um, and that's really nice. And you can register your favorites to sets so that it's really easy to pick them 
later and, and kind of keep getting the same ones. If you kind of have your ones that you like, if you start getting into knowing like, oh, I'm going to do this type of quest or this type of hunt. So I'm going to change it up a little bit. You can do that. That's that part's really fast. When you get in there, when you actually get out on the hunt, so world made you literally hunt the monster first, right? You had to yeah. find clues. You had to follow the was it the, uh, it. the scout flies to figure out where they yep, were. Yep. So you could spend around ten minutes in the beginning of a hunt just trying to find the damn thing. Rise gets rid of all of that, and it puts all of the big monsters on your mini map from the outset, and it even lets you target them, right? So you can very easily highlight them and track their movements. And you know exactly where the thing is, and you just go there right away. Um, and the game gives you a second type of animal friend. So like the previous games have all had palicos, and so now you also have a palamute. And you can the palamute is a mountable, rideable uh, companion, which drastically improves and increases your, your travel speed. So basically you can be getting into your fight with your monster within a minute or two of, of dropping in. Like you just have to go to where it is and you start and it's fucking great. You are saying everything that I really want to hear. Yeah. Like this. So this is the thing. Like if you like the core ideas of what monster hunter does, and if it was just kind of the extra fuss around it that was getting on your nerves, I think, I think this could be the one that, that wins you over. Right. Cause um, I, I've spent a fair bit of time with dauntless yeah, yeah. And I think I've probably played Dauntless more than Monster Hunter World at this point. Okay, uh, which, yeah. Which is to say that I don't think I put that much time into Monster Hunter, Hunter World. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me check my Monster Hunter stats. Yes, please do. Uh, 14 and a half hours with Monster Hunter World. Is that ca- accounting for Steam card idling? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it is not, so... Or it, I mean, it might actually be, so I don't know for sure if that's accurate i'm gonna need you uh, to boot up your save file and see what the game tells you you've played <laughs> don't do that um i know what you mean though like it's even even all, if that's number is accurate I, yeah all, all the while i feel like i've spent either the same or more time with dauntless which what drew me to that game is basically all of the things that i think rise is doing which mm-hmm. is like cutting down on on time to find your your monster fight mm-hmm. it with the appropriate weapons and and things like that and and be done like it expedites a lot of that stuff but i think the kind of the problem that i have with dauntless is that it and it's not really a fault but it just it feels a little free to play like there's there's a lot of systems Mm -hmm. and things going on that Mm -hmm. you can just tell that this is not a game you paid for this is just there's a service thing happening here and so that's part of what turns me off from that game so i think the middle ground between world and Dauntless is going to be a rise. And like with what you're saying, like sounds really exciting. Yeah, man, I, I wasn't sure if this was going to be, if this was going to do it for me. And, you know, once the review started hitting, I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh, like these things, they're saying the things that I need to hear. And I have like, I'm engrossed. Like I, I am trying to play this at any time that I can when I have free moments to pick it up. Right. I think that tells you a lot versus world where I was excited to play it, but I felt like I had to make the time. Um, and rise is just very easy to slip into and it's very like really, really enjoyable. Um, side note, uh, you know, because it's a switch game, right. And because I do play in handheld mode a lot more often than I play docked, um, I went ahead and bought a Hori split pad pro, 
Um, so I can have like full size controllers uh, to use instead of the Joy-Cons, which it turns out is really helpful for Monster Hunter because uh, you want more precise movements. Um, and it looks a little ridiculous on the Switch, but those things are pretty legit. Um, yeah. And they have they have made playing handheld quite delightful. Um, and, and, and in fact, like and also the D-pad on them is, is significantly better than what's on the Switch's own pro controller. Uh, I find I found that to be really fiddly, which is weird because Nintendo's kind of always been like the controller with the good D-pad. But yeah, um, anyway, it's, uh, you know, just, if you if you like playing the Switch on the handheld and if you hate the Joy-Cons, uh, Hori has you covered. Um, just just so you know, um, uh, just so you know, uh, yes. Monster Hunter World has 200 pieces of DLC on Steam that equate to $541.22 if you were yep. to get it all. Lots of Michael transactions for that game. That is I way... I mean, they're all like cosmetic cosmetics, stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them is the Iceborne expansion that I don't have. Same. And isn't uh, that like technically standalone? Uh, or is I it an expansion? I think so. I... Uh, uh, this content requires the base game. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I still haven't bought Iceborne, and and at this point, I don't know if I will, because uh, like I haven't even finished World, so. <laughs> uh, although this this does make me think about going back and playing World when I eventually am done, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think I think there's uh, some exploration there worth having in terms of like. Do do I still enjoy this? Do I mm -hmm. want to mm -hmm. play something like this, or is is Rise really what I want out of this? Right. Well, and and so that that reminds me of some other stuff, right? Like with World, there was some really weird multiplayer stuff where everyone had to have watched the cutscene to introduce a particular new monster in order to join yes. the lobby for that for a hunt for that, which was infuriating. Yeah. Um, that's gone. Like that is not a thing anymore. Like you literally just. You could just jump into a lobby for anything. And if you haven't seen the cutscene for it yet, the game does not care. It just lets you do it. Um, the online for this is some of the best I've seen in any Nintendo Switch game. Like, regardless That's of genre or it's it's wild. Like, it's just it's like a big boy multiplayer game. It's exactly what you expect. You can just you can look at your friends list. You can see who's got a lobby and you can just say, I want to join their lobby and do their hunt. And bam, you're in like there's no no bullshit. Um, it just works. And it's like. Why don't more things on the platform work this way? You know, <laughs> um, sure would be nice. Yeah, no, it's great. It's really, really great. They they refined so much of this. Um, and, and so that's the like, again, for uh, someone who's new to Monster Hunter, I actually don't know that this is any more accessible than the previous games in terms of teaching you what Monster Hunter is and how you play. Um, like there was that Kotaku article that we saw shared in, in our discord earlier today, right, about someone kind of complaining about like, oh, Monster Hunter is super not accessible and it's impossible to get into. And I tried to play with a friend and we got our asses kicked and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And it's like, I hear you, but, and, and I think, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think some of that stuff is sort of valid. But I also think like this is, Monster Hunter has never been a game where you're just going to drop in knowing nothing and, you know, and, and, and it's like where are we drop them, boys. Right. Um, like it's it's not like a typical multiplayer game where you can just start into a lobby and figure it out. Like you do need someone to you either need to invest the time researching yourself uh, or you need to have someone who can explain the mechanics to you. Right. 
Um, And that's always been the case, I think. Um, And so this rise doesn't do anything to solve that problem. Um, But I also like, I guess like I naively expect anyone who's picking up a monster hunter game to have some idea of what they're signing up for. Even if it's, even if the only idea in their head is this, this might be hard at first and this might seem really weird and there's a lot to get your head around, but like, you should at least know that going into it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's anyway. Fair. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I really dig it. Um, the other thing that's really important to talk about, and there's like there's so much that I could talk about with this game, and I'm really trying to keep it to like the main like highlights. Uh, I want to talk about the actual like graphical fidelity and the performance of of Monster Hunter Rise. Um, and so this is the first Monster Hunter game built on the RE engine, right? like the Capcom's kind of flagship engine now that they've been using to build the last few Resident Evil games that have all been incredibly technically impressive, right? You talk, look at Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the previous, like, you know, World was built on Capcom's kind of older NT framework engine, right? The, the other in-house thing they'd been using forever. Um, and, and that was kind of one of the weird things about World, especially on the PC when it came out, was like, for whatever reason that wasn't clear, it wasn't very performant, right? Like, yes, it was beautiful and yes, it was expansive, but like that game should have been able to hit 60 on release. No problem. And it didn't, it was like very, very demanding of, of computer hardware. Yeah. Uh, And obviously like the consoles had similar problems. Um, so this, this game is in the resident evil engine and there's already been RE engine games on the switch, I believe. Um, maybe, maybe, I think so. Um, I think I want to say like the Revelations games or something. I don't know. Um, And I have been just floored by how well they have scaled this this engine to the platform. And they've clearly done a lot of work to tune it for the Switch's hardware. Yeah. But like this is and I said this about the demo and, and it holds true for the final release. This game has no business, in my opinion, looking as good as it does on the Switch. Like it is incredible how high fidelity some of this and look look it's not competitive with you know ps4 and xbox even but it's very very well detailed they use some great lighting effects they use some some uh some bokeh stuff in cutscenes to great effect um so you get really nice depth of field and they do some image sharpening um that works really well to kind of help with image clarity because like what you see on a lot of switch games especially ports of engines from other platforms is like things they do so like a a common technique is to do so much smoothing that things start to look muddy. Yep. And this game does not have that problem at all. They opt for allowing rather than, you know, smoothing the edges over, they look for ways to sharpen things um, and to help with the definition of edges. And so you don't necessarily get like really bad aliasing, but, um, you just get an effect where things are very distinguishable and the environments look great. There are very obvious places out on the map where like you can tell it's like low polys in the, in the rock walls and whatever. And like mm-hmm. maybe some of the texture work is bland in some areas when you're outdoors and that's fine. Um, it's just, it's very technically impressive for like in terms of the character art, the monster art and the animations, the game is a solid 30 frames a second. Always like it never, like I, it maybe dips like, you know, one frame, uh, in certain areas, occasionally it's super rare. Um, it's very, very or like rock solid, and 
like this is the kind of shit I want to see developers doing, but it also just makes me thirsty for an upgraded switch model. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, then, I've seen video reviews and I've, I've watched the giant bomb quick look and that hub city is gorgeous. It is immensely yeah. detailed, like way more than like the little hub area that you had in world. And then like on top of that, like transitioning like zones is like instantaneous just about it's so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Load I, times are just, they're immediate. It's nuts. It is wild. Whatever that's doing. Yes. It's however they have figured this out. Uh, they did real good. Um, and again, I'm guessing they've tailored parts of the engine for the switch at this point, but it's very impressive. Um, it also makes me very excited to see what the steam release could look like next year. Uh, because like, look, we know this engine scales up real nice. Mm -hmm. And so like, are we going to get a real pretty ass, like 4k high poly version of this game in a year? Um, and if so, I will, I will rebuy it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a damn good game. It's a real good monster hunter. I, I just am having a blast with it. And it's like, I, I have to force myself to put it down so I can review some stuff this week, but it's, um, <laughs> It's very excellent. That's really good to hear. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm looking at Monster Hunter World and I'm realizing that I have not played it since I built my new PC. And oh, shit, neither have I. And it's been updated with the LSS. <sighs> I know what I'm doing as soon as we're done. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, my mind's probably not going to change about this game, but I do want to see, like, well, I don't think that performance was ever a hindrance uh, to my enjoyment of this game, but I am curious to see how it is now though. Yeah. I, I feel like they've done work on it to make it better. Um, at least that, that's what I've read or heard. So fingers crossed. Uh, I would definitely be curious to see if it's improved over time. Um, speaking of games that are excellent, you and I have also been playing. It takes two, um, which is the, new cooperative release from help me out studio. I can't remember the name. Say again, Hazelight. Hazelight. Yes. Uh, makers of brothers and a way out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so like, well, brothers, brothers, brothers is might have been a different studio, but I could, they are now is, is Hazelight. Oh, Oh, studio name. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same people, but I think different studios. Yes, that's right. Um, Let's see. Starbreeze is technically who made Brothers, but Hazelight yeah. is, is is the studio that it's those people, right? Yes. Um, and was Brothers uh, Brothers wasn't actually co-op, right? It was it was you played two characters on one controller with the two different sticks and the two different like halves of the controller. Correct. Uh, which was a great experience. I really loved that game. Uh, yeah, just Joseph Faraz, the yeah, same director. Um, so. Yeah, I, I I haven't played a way out. I really wanted to and just didn't because like I kind of well, wasn't. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say we we were actually preparing plans for the the Monday streams to play that because it just yes. came to Game Pass on PC. And that's right. You know, EA got included with the Game Pass. So like we were going to do that. But then it takes two is getting ready to come out and EA sent us codes. So yep. we're just playing that instead because new stuff. And, yeah. And, and we may well double back and like, but yeah, like we have, we have codes for it takes two and it's very timely. Um, and 
like I had heard good things last week about this game and I wasn't sure what to expect in terms of like how good it was actually going to be. But I have been so delighted and surprised in the best way and impressed with It Takes Two pretty much on every level. Um, Like it is just a phenomenal title, I think. Um, Like you want to talk about, you know, the writing is already really solid. The voice acting is really entertaining. Uh, visually it is gorgeous and it's like a really fun take on like a Pixar or DreamWorks style of animation adapted for something you can play on the computer. Right. So you've got really high quality looking materials, very cartoony looking characterizations of, of, you know, animals and, and things, what might be people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and the gameplay itself is just, it's super polished, right? Like, you know, control and movement feels fantastic. Um, you know, the design of the puzzles is, is great in that it's not, you know, none of it's like, it's like, I don't want to characterize the game as easy. Um, but it just, it's like, it just feels like, yeah, there's challenges in here, but they do really good hinting about how to solve what they put in front of you. Right. It's minimal, there's no, minimal friction. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, and, and then the, you know, the design of the, the levels themselves is, is is incredible. I, I just like, holy shit. Like this game is, is just aces. <laughs> I think we spent a lot of time admiring the, the beehive far into the distance. Yeah. Like every time it was on screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's and, just uh, certainly other times like that, but I mean, like there's just some really strong art in this game that like you just stop and stare. Yes. Yeah, it's full of those moments. Um, and there's just, yeah, there's just great attention to detail that is super eye-catching. And you can tell they know it because they they clearly build a lot of opportunities in for you to to just stop and take things in, you know? Yeah. Um, God, it's just like, I, I... It's almost hard to know, like, where to begin with, with how to talk about it because everything about it is just so amazing. Um... <laughs> And, and like also the fact that it is a co-op game and it is built for co-op um, and, and the co-op is excellent in it, right? Like the way that they have the two players working together to get through challenges is, is just inspired almost like it's really brilliant. It's, I mean, probably one of the best, if not the best co-op experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, tell it, me your feelings on Dr. Hakim. uh worst book ever um (laughs) i don't know it's i kind of really wanted to dislike that character early on um and the more time we spent with the game he's kind of growing on me um it's a little it's a little tropey and a little hokey but um i i like that he's he's egging the main characters on And, and so like let's back up a second and like kind of do some setup for what this game is right you know, we know it's a co-op game. Narratively, the game opens with a husband and a wife who are clearly experiencing a lot of friction in their relationship. Um, and and they, they have the conversation amongst themselves, like, you know, why don't we just go ahead and tell our daughter we're getting divorced already, right? Um, when they don't know that their daughter overhears this uh, from her bedroom window because they're well, outside. They sure as hell weren't being quiet about it. No, they were not. Uh, and then, and th- and then you're just like immediately you feel you feel awful for this this poor little girl, right? 
And then cut to them having the conversation with her. And, you know, you just see how this is affecting her and how, like, you know, she's just a a young kid who doesn't know how to cope. You know, she retreats into... Doesn't really understand, like, things like they they can just fall back in love, like, if they just try harder kind of thing. Right, exactly. And so, you know, she is barely equipped to process and handle this. And, And so she does what a young kid, you know, of her age would do, right? She goes into the barn or the shed or whatever it is. And she hides under a table and she takes some dolls with her. Right. And these are, it seems like dolls that she's made herself or, or has kind of pieced together from things. It's, it's unclear, you know, and she cries as, as, as you would expect. And this is like very almost heart wrenching to watch, especially as a parent. Right. Um, yeah. And, and her tears fall on the dolls. And then suddenly like we're in, you know, we, we ramp up into, to movie territory and, you know, her, her tears bring the dolls to life, but the dolls are her parents and their consciousness, consciousnesses basically transpose into the dolls. <laughs> and now they're stuck like this and they have to puzzle solve their way through environments to kind of get back to their own bodies and to reach their, their kid. Right. And so there's this natural friction in having to work together because, you know, these two are on the outs. They're bickering with each other constantly as you work your way through the levels. Um, you know, they, they encountered this relationship book called Dr. Hakeem. Well, it's Dr. Hakeem's whatever, right? I can't remember the full title of the book. Something. Yeah. 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 But Dr. Hakeem is the name of the character because basically, basically it's supposed to be the author, like talking to you through the book. And it's because like the little girl found this book, right? And, and she wants to, wants her parents to read it and she thinks that's going to help fix their relationship. And so the book is like, He's kind of like antagonistic almost like not almost like very much so. Right. And, and so yeah, like in, in, in his attempts to coach the parents through like learning how to cooperate and work together better, he very much just eggs them on and gives them a hard time and makes things harder for them on purpose sometimes. <laughs> so it's an interesting approach. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, like it for and, and there's this part of me, too, that's just like, OK, like. Mm. Like I looked up the voice act, the voice cast for this game. Okay. And I was a little bit like, you know, there's, there's kind of this, this thing of like, well, they have a person playing a character named Dr. Hakeem who based on their name is presumably of a, you know, uh, of a certain, uh, like, I don't even want to, I'm going to get it wrong, but you know, <laughs> someone of, of who is either, um, middle Eastern in some way. Right. Uh, and the the voice actor playing this character is not does not appear to be from what I can tell, um, like of the same background. I could be wrong about that. So, like, let's get that up. Front. Hakeem like, I might just is be... uh, Arabic. Yeah. OK, there we go. Thank you. Yeah. So you assume Dr. Hakeem is, is, is Arabic and I don't think the voice actor is Arabic. Um, so that rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Uh, yeah, and I the, know the that, voice we're getting is a is is not even like attempting that. Yeah, and and so and maybe that's fine. I don't if it's as long as it yeah as long as it's not attempting that maybe that's fine, right? But it's a it's an interesting choice, uh, and so that I'm unsure what to think of. Um, but other than that, the character is. It's like is it falling into a stereotype too much? I don't really know. Um, but otherwise, like I'm enjoying the way that he's, I'm enjoying his relationship to the characters. I will say that. Yes. 
What are, uh, uh, what is your take on him? On him? Uh, I mean, yeah, like <laughs> on him. He, he, <laughs> like hearing or seeing the name like on the book, and then hearing the voice, uh, and, and then also like the the character or the the uh, anthropomorphic nature of the book, like with the mustache and the eyebrows, like yeah, there there's a disconnect there. But like when mm-hmm. I if I if I'm not focusing on the name and I'm just seeing and listening to the character, he's great. Yes. Yeah. He's a riot. Yeah. He 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 does end up being pretty entertaining. Um so, you know, aside from like kind of just that that possible like issue of dissonance between name and like vocal inflections and and personality and, you know, whether or not like they cast a voice actor a voice actor who um, you know, is who might also be better suited to portray someone who who could be Arabic, right? Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, I am enjoying him a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's like, and I guess that there's just like there's kind of like nothing I don't like about this game. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, same here. Like, uh, it's like there's some like quote weirdness, and it's like we keep trying to find secrets that don't mm. exist. Yeah. And like, what is it? I don't know that that says more about us as, as how we play and how we play games than it does about the game itself. I think. Yes. And no, I would actually maybe kind of twist that a little bit and just say more like, I think that's how we've been conditioned by other games. Sure. Yes. Well, but, and then there's, there's like, there are parts in the environment where it almost feels like there should be secrets built in. Yeah. And then you you go and explore and they're not there. And that's okay. Again, right? Like that's that's fine. It's just like, ah, uh, I just I really this game almost feels like it's asking for there to be uh like this, you know, collectibles or hidden areas to go into. And I get why narratively there's no point for those things to exist. But it's like yes. I just I, I crave these things. <laughs> But there are many games on on the off the beaten path places though, yeah, which That's are true. really fun, short competitive games for us to play. That, uh, in terms of like scorekeeping, I think we kind of broke even on honestly. Most of them, yeah, I'd say so. Or yeah, like even if not within each isolated game, like just kind of back and forth, like one of us would be better at one of the mini games. That's what right? I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if we were keeping score of like who won each game across all of them, like I think we'd be breaking even. Yep. Yep. I agree. It's fun. It speaks to different sets of skills. So yeah, like, but like this game does detail really well. Like we talked about the beehive. Um, there's the thing like with the, uh, I think like the, maybe the standout moment, like when it, when it starts to happen is it like answers the question of like, okay, you are the parents embodying these dolls, their consciousness, but what happened to their bodies? And there's right. an answer for that. We are <laughs> like the mom is asleep on the couch, doesn't respond to anything. The dad is standing up sleeping. I think he, I think he's in a chair at his desk. Uh, I thought he was looking out a window when the daughter came. He is. He's looking out a window. But I think he's I think when it cuts to like the, the view of her coming into his whatever room he's in, like you can see a chair that he's sitting in. Oh, OK, I, I might have missed that. But all the same, he's upright but yes he is like not there but like it answers that question that like 
no one's really i mean like maybe people have asked before but no one's ever answered before and i like that's just an awesome detail yeah then, I love but then it. The, there's also like an a narrative and emotional stake to it mm-hmm. because because now the parents have explained that they're divorcing that things aren't working and the daughter is trying to go to each one of them to help them but they're not now they're not responding to her and she doesn't realize what's taken place just yet so now there's right. this like thing where now she's even getting more sad because now the parents won't even talk to her. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She's feeling like, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say like outcast or, you know, certainly like neglected or like, you know, like they're not even able to acknowledge her. Um, yeah. Or like they won't rather when in fact they cannot. Uh, and, and unbeknownst to her, they are desperately trying to get her attention at every possibility. They're desperately trying to reach her. Right. Um, and, and it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a neat touch. Um, it was definitely very funny seeing the dad, like asleep, staring out the window. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I cannot, if anyone is remotely interested in this game, like I can't recommend it enough. And you know, the only, the only shortcoming is you need, you need to have someone else to play it with. Like there is not yeah, a way to play it by yourself. Um, well, but, according to the video that I saw on Reddit, there there is a possibility, but it looks uh, incredibly difficult to do. Like literally, you have to control both characters, right? Yeah, you, two controllers, yeah. one in each hand, and no, no, just no, no, kind no, of no, no. wide palming it to do it. Yeah, I, I do not, I do not consider that actually playing the game by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that is going against the design. Um, that being said, the game has a friend pass, right? So you you can buy the game. And then you can basically give your give a friend of yours a code that allows them to play it with you, right? Yep. Uh, without having to p- have purchased a copy, which is pretty cool. Um, I yeah, it's 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 just delightful, really fantastic. They, they did the same thing with a way out, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's it's weird because it's like you would think that you, you know you said this on the stream was like you would think that they would want to sell more copies, right? Right. But it probably um, is a thing that that's converting people because it's probably they play it and it's like, well, then they want to play it with somebody else. So then they end up buying it. And then like there, there's like a bit of a domino effect or whatever with it where more copies are being sold than you would think. Exactly. And, you know, you may actually be moving more copies because there's not this barrier of, well, we have to buy two copies to play. Right. Um, and obviously for local co-op, you only need the one. But if you want to yeah. play online, which let's be honest, most of us are playing online at this point. If you're not playing yeah. with someone who lives with you, um, it's, I think it's a really smart call. I think it actually is going to get people to buy the game that might not have because of, you know, like, oh, well, I don't want to spend $60 or what, what is it? $40 or something. Um, I don't even know. Uh, I think it is 40. Yeah. But even still, like, I don't want to spend 80 bucks between the two of us to play this game. Um, yeah. So. Oh, also, 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 uh, if you down, you can actually just download the friend pass and it lets you play the first level for free. Oh, that's wonderful. That's smart. That's how they, that's how they get you. That is, that is how they get you. But Hey, just, just play this game. (laughs) However you have to do it, just play the game. It's really good. Okay. I'm excited Uh, to see where it goes. Uh, yeah. For us. Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to picking it back up with you um, and, and finishing it out because it's been just it's been so much fun. 
Uh, you want to talk about some news real quick? Yeah, let's do that. Great. Um, do you want to take this first one or should I? Uh, you, you were the one that showed me this news, so I'd like you to take it. Fair enough. Let's do it. So, uh, a fun, weird little quirk that cropped up this week, uh, with the PC release of the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, people discovered that there's something really strange and unique about the way that their save files work. And it turns out that the way that Kingdom Hearts stores player saves on the PC is something not what you would expect. Like typically you have some kind of text file or, you know, a, a, a text formatted something or other, right? Or a dat or a who knows what, or a dot save, right? Yeah. Something, something you can open up easily. The Kingdom Hearts games put save files inside of PNGs. Well, that's I'll say adorable. That again. Yeah, no, they're, they're PNG images. Um, there is one with Mickey Mouse ears. And there's one of the main character Sora's face. Um, and the images are, are actual PNGs that you can just open up in a browser or an image viewing program. And it's just those images. But then they stuff all of the save data into the metadata sections of those files for some reason. <laughs> like it's not necessarily a, like a, an obfuscation or like a security thing, right? They're not trying to like it doesn't like this is not a technique you would use to hide them from people. Because um, like it's not like there's any special extra encryption necessarily. It's just like they're just they're just being cute. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, but that's kind of a, like a weird and, and sort of fun discovery. And like, I don't, I've never played any of these games. I have like zero opinion of them whatsoever, one way or the other, but it's just kind of a fun and weird thing that you don't hear about happening often. Or, I mean, and, I don't know many people that investigate save files. Sure. Or their, their directories of, of games that are installed to kind of see what's there. Right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I'm going to look at the story again and see digging. Oh, well, and so they weren't even necessarily looking for the save files, right? They were just digging around through the files, doing just your run of the mill data mining and trying to figure out what all was in there. Right. Cause you know, there's people who love to open up the files, uh, of game releases and see what kind of things are lurking that like shipped out that maybe shouldn't have. Right. Yeah. We're looking for just interesting quirks of how a game was packaged up. Um, and, and they found how the save files are stored in the process and it's super weird, but there it is. Really cool. And, and that, it is cool. Almost, it almost makes you wish more games would do goofy stuff like that. But, um, for practical reasons, it probably makes sense why they don't. <laughs> uh, why don't you, why don't you take this next one? Uh, yeah. So today Xbox, uh, now allows the original Xbox and Xbox 360 games to be played via their xCloud service. Mm, very nice. So so things like Banjo-Kazooie, Gears of War 3, Fallout New Vegas, you can just play on xCloud. So you, you don't have to install anything. You can play it on your phone and, and play your backwards compatible games uh, either through Game Pass or what you already own in your library over the cloud. So if, if I think this kind of covers like maybe 
maybe not like an edge case. Uh, certainly if you, if this was like a PS5, uh, would be the case. And that's like, if you ran out of drive space and like sure. trying to get all these new gen games to be installed that are taking up hundreds of gigs, uh, <laughs> like playing your old games that you cannot fit on your drive over, over the cloud, like seems like a great way to get past that. Even Smart. though these games are not very big, new gen games are so yeah yep yep yeah it's cool um i'm i apparently they're still gonna bring xcloud to ios devices uh by way of web browser um oh, at some yeah, point yeah, this yeah. year so i I'm, forgot I'm, about the kerfuffle on that oh yes much kerfuff um so I'm, I'm i'm excited for that potentially but um yeah i guess it's a little hard uh for you to be so uh three games on on this list of like the first round so there's like 16 games uh three rare games uh jetpack refueled viva pinata and trouble in paradise uh all have touch control touch controls enabled oh wow that's impressive so oh, that's right because I mean, the ideal way to play these xcloud games is with like a bluetooth or connected controller yes but those three games, you can you can actually just do it with touch controls. Yep, yep. Uh, interesting to note, like xCloud is only on Android phones currently. Yes. Like literally no other platform. Uh, and whatever the browser-based solution they're going to be using for iOS is also what they're going to be doing for the PC. I think that's a good way to handle it for PC. Yeah, why not? Like, why put another app in there if you can if you can do it over WebSockets? <laughs> WebSockets, but if you can do it <laughs> uh, in a browser, then great. So yeah, cool. I mean, just just it's it's cool to see that Microsoft is still doing things with XCloud, given its limited like availability or access, mm-hmm. I guess, and it's doing something like things I don't think anybody would have thought of, like backwards compatibility over the cloud. That's not like probably in anybody's priority, but it's the the reception that I've seen has been nothing but enthusiastic over it. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. Like it's, it's a smart play for them to be working to expand the cloud-based offering and this, and like the game streaming offering as part of the game pass package. Um, I, I think it's a really nice compliment to everything else game pass is doing. And it, it speaks really well to this mission to just get their games on as many devices as possible through whatever means they have to. Um, and like the idea of Xbox being, almost more of a service brand at some point than, than a hardware brand. And like, you know, service stuff is, is touchy, right? Um, yeah. And, but the way that Microsoft is doing this makes for now makes a lot of sense. Like it's all still too good to be true. And I'm still very skeptical of what they're going to eventually do. But, um, you know, like, uh, it's, it's pretty clever and it's really cool to see them doing this stuff. Um, let's see. This is important. This is very important to me and you in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much anyone else listening is going to care, but I care and I know you care. So we're going to talk about it. Um, today, the one and only Jeff Grubb, uh, who you may know from such websites as twitter.com, uh, (laughs) was doing his live show that he does. Um, and he shared that, uh, 
the game that Epic is partnering on with Remedy, uh, which is to say the game that Epic is giving Remedy a lot of money to make, is indeed Alan Wake 2. Which is, like, that's kind of what we you and I had already been assuming anyway, especially with the way that Control's second DLC ends. Like, literally right. setting up more Alan Wake. Um, it seemed like the obvious thing that Remedy would, like, circle back especially now that there's been multiple games between Alan Wake and, you know, kind of a potential sequel. And, you know, industry insider Jeff Grubb is confirming that that is what's happening, um, which is... And I believe the the terms of the Epic and Remedy partnership is for two games currently. Right, right. Yeah, so, you know, whether that's another, like, whether they're going to make, like, they're going to make an Alan Wake trilogy or if they're going to make a sequel to, say, Control or you know, who know, or some other new IP with the second title. Like, I don't know, but, um, like the time is right for Alan Wake to come back. I think. I mean, and then everything with that DLC with control, like there's kind of no way out of this. Like this well, yeah. pretty much like they've signed themselves, signed themselves up for this. Like there's, if they do anything else, people are going to be pissed. Well, it's like, look, remedy, they're not, they're very cheeky, right? And they would not have made a whole Alan Wake themed DLC and ended it the way that they did if they hadn't known that Alan Wake 2 was the next game, right? Yeah. Like they're they are teasing this on purpose. It is very tongue in cheek, very like wink wink nudge nudge like hey, we can't say what our next game is, but you know, you probably already know, right? Mm-hmm. Um and like that's that's just f- fantastic. I'm so excited. Like uh it's still probably like Oh, I'm trying to remember what was the date that was floated last year, like 2023 or something. Yeah. Or was it 2022? Right. <clears throat> it's gotta be 23, right? Like a, a AAA title like that is going to take a while. Um, yeah. but just give me more Alan Wake now, <laughs> please. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just, you know, it's like we, it's, we almost know that that's what's happening, but it's just really exciting to hear somebody who's like an industry insider, uh, more or less say like, yeah, it's real. Uh, the last I mean, thing that, Oh, no, sorry, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. I just, I, I need a little bit more. Yeah, I want just a little bit more. I want the 15 second teaser, right? I want the current gen graphics version of the Alan Wake title card. Okay. <laughs> That's, but you know, with a two on it, um, <laughs> I want just give me official confirmation in some way beyond beyond the very, very strong wink that they've already given us. Yeah. But this this is just like adding fuel to the fire. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention here is is something that uh, is, is very also near and dear to my heart, but it's, it's a very sad news, which is um, March 31st has come to pass. Uh, it's come and gone. And Super Mario 3D All-Stars is no longer available for purchase. And Mario uh, is officially dead. Rest in peace, Mario. Shit. Moment, I totally forgot moment. about that deadline. And yeah, I, I guess I don't really care about the All-Stars game. And like, if I'm being honest it's, with myself, I guess I don't really care, even though I really want to play Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. But also I, I liked Sunshine and I did want to play Galaxy because I never have. 64 i just don't have nostalgia for so like i could take it or leave it but sure i kind of wish i did grab it well you can you can still get a cartridge 
Like, it's not like the cartridges aren't available. They're just not making the physical releases no, they, they, anymore. No, all stores were instructed to throw them away. Oh, oh, I see. Well, I guess that makes sense. If, if Mario is being killed off, like, you don't want to sell any games with his face on it. No. So. The, the pain is too much. Yeah, like, yeah, how could you possibly put people through that? <laughs> I, I just, I love the whole, like, the Mario dies on March 31st thing that built up around this arbitrary yes. pulling of the game is so funny to me. It's just, it's, it's a real, it's a good joke. Is it, is it actually just going into a vault kind of Disney vault kind of situation or is it just, it's mm. never coming back? They, they have said that it's never coming back and, and who knows what that means. And like, they could very well re-release it. Um, like technically Mario all-star, the original Mario all-stars was re-released on the Wii, um, many, many, many years later. So it's not inconceivable that this package wouldn't be available again um, that way. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they might break them out and make them something that you can buy separately, right? Um, so you don't buy the package. Uh, who knows? It seems ridiculous to me, and I know they wanted to drive sales, but it seems ridiculous to me that they would do the work to make these games run on the Switch and then, you know, never make them purchasable again past a certain window. I don't know. It's such so, Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Do not try and explain or understand Nintendo's business plans. You will go insane. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, yeah. No, someone I know literally just got 3d all-stars like uh, two or three days ago because they were like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's coming. Um, I, I'm sure you can still find copies out there. But, yeah. I'm uh, sure the, it's not hard. But like the downloads started going offline like early in the day on the 31st. It was weird. I don't know. Nintendo shrug. <laughs> Let's read an email. Let's do it. Okay, great. Um, we have a fresh one. A fresh and exciting one in from Saving Content's own Ed Acosta. He just keeps keeps this going and, and we appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah, we do. Uh, this week's email is a fun and interesting twist, and I'm very excited for this. The email reads, it's quiz time. I've got a 10 question quiz for you two. The questions are gaming or gaming history related. They will start easy and get progressively harder. Hopefully I'm going by my own knowledge and research. So the accuracy of these answers is as verifiable as a Google (laughs) search, which is fair. The easiest way to complete this quiz will probably be answering the 10 questions first, making a note of your answers and then reviewing the correct answers after all are completed. And I agree. That's probably the way we're going to do it. Uh, That's that's like trivia night rules. Um, But it's your choice in how you go about doing this. I I feel feel like we stick with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to get a like a text file going uh, so I can write my answers down. Um, Yeah, I got my mine up right now. Dang it. Uh, notepad. What is the yeah, notes.app works? Um, why am I doing this on a separate computer? Who knows? Okay. All right. Question one Who is the protagonist of the Nintendo published franchise Metroid and what was so special about them? Okay. Um, I'm going to write my answer. I am doing the same. Okay, I am done. Okay. Uh, 
I'm just finishing up my long-winded version of my answer. Yeah, I'm just writing in shorthand. I can. Yes, I should propose to fire it when yeah when I talk about it <laughs> to minimize dead air. I should be doing the same thing. Womp womp. Um, okay. Oh, this is a hard one. Um, accurately input the Konami code on the NES. Bonus points if you can name the game it first appeared in. Um, I know this one. I'm not going to write it down. <laughs> I have forgotten the Konami code, but I know. Ah, <gasps> oh, dude, you you have never put the Konami code onto a website as an Easter egg, and it shows. I well, no, I have no, 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 uh, no. I mean, you haven't developed it into a website. I should clarify. <laughs> oh, then that then that holds true. But it's yeah. but it has been like at least 10 years since I've put it into a website. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, are you ready for number three? Yep. The game Assassin's Creed started life as what other Ubisoft franchise? Hmm. Uh, I think. I think I think I know this. It's it's one. Yeah. I know. I think I think I know what it is. Maybe. Ooh, tough. I don't know. Uh, what is the name of the PC Engine console in the United States market? That one I do know. Say that one again. What is the name of the PC Engine console in the United States market? So there's a console oh. called the the PC Engine, right? Yeah. But it's called that somewhere else. And in the States, we have a different name for it. Okay. Okay. Uh, five. Name the main character's horse from Shadow of the Colossus. That's an easy one. Oh, wait. Oh. oh, you don't know? I like I know, but I, it's not coming to me in this I, my, context. Oh, it's what I, I might be mixing the spelling up, but whatever. I don't think spelling matters. It does because I'm the, the, the order of these two letters will make a different name depending on. So I have to, I can, no, I, I can, I, I can hear, I can hear the character say it in my head, like mm-hmm. in the game, but I, it's, it's not like, yeah, it's not coming. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you keep stewing on it in the back of your head as we move on. Number six. Sega used the slogan, Genesis does what Nintendo don't in their advertising campaigns. But during the 1992 to 1994 years, what other slogan did they use? This is killing me because I knew the answer to this at one point and I completely do not remember. Do you have any memory of this? I have memory of it, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, well. Um, yeah, like I know that it existed and when I, when we look it up, it's going to kill me because I'm going to be like, yes, of course it was that. Uh, but all right. Number seven, at what event was the game Halo originally unveiled? I do know the answer to this one. And I'll say bonus points if you know the year. That's not an Ed's question. It's just an addendum I'm making. Mm. Okay. 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 Uh, Number eight. Who was credited as the creator of the Game Boy and what was their last gaming credit? I know the answer to the first part. I should know the answer to the second and I'm forgetting. I got it. You know? Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. All right. Number nine. What was the storage size for a Sony PlayStation memory card in 1995? 
Oh. I feel like the 95 thing is like making it a trick question, but I'm still going with my original answer here. I'm going with that. All right. Number 10. Final question. Who was the creator of the first video game, technically speaking? Uh, I, I oh. couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's it's that that person what made a game on an oscilloscope. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I have no answer. Uh, for that. I've got an idea. I don't know if that's it. I don't know. I'm done. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm ready to go back through these. Uh, are you ready? Yep. Okay. Revisiting question number one. Who's the protagonist of the Nintendo published franchise Metroid and what was so special about them? I said Samus Aran and what was special is that she was a woman in a time when female protagonists were scarce. What did you say? Uh, Samus Aran and it's a girl. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I don't need, we don't need to look that up, right? We know that that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. Number two. Accurately input the Konami code on the NES. Bonus points if you can name the game it first appeared in. Uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, the the game I think it is is Contra, but I might be wrong with that too. I, I concur with that. We'll have to verify. Okay. Uh, the Konami code is like up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, start, select, or something like that. I don't so know, some close. Like that. So close. Uh, I believe it is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start okay uh shit i should like if i'm typing it in or if i'm punching it in i know it like immediately yeah up up down down left right left right ba start i win uh okay. <laughs> um first game i'm verifying oh no we're both wrong it was gradius ah shit Damn. all right Number three, the game Assassin's Creed started life is what other Ubisoft franchise? Uh, I think I got this wrong, but I'm gonna let you go first. Prince of Persia. That's what I said too. Okay, maybe I'm not wrong. Uh, how do we verify this? Uh, Assassin's Creed I'm sure there's original. some sort of historical context about the first Assassin's Creed that, that covers it. Uh, known yes, yes. Known internally as the Prince of Persia Assassin. Yes, we got this right. Nice. Good job, us. Um, all right. Number four, what is the name of the PC engine console in the United States market? I said the TurboGrafx-16. Oh, uh, I called it the no idea 96. <laughs> it is in fact the TurboGrafx-16. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 96. That's good. Uh, name the main character's horse from shadow of the Colossus. It fucking pains me. I should know this. Like it, I, what came to my mind, and I know it is absolutely 100% wrong, but ERA, like E-R-R-A. You're really, you're close. Like, you've got the shape of it. Um, it's aggro. <sighs> aggro! <Okay. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and that was what I was hung up on, uh, was I couldn't remember if it was aggro or argo. Uh. Um, but I, I eventually, I course, and I was like, no, it's definitely not. It's not Argo. Um, all right. Uh, number six. Sega used the slogan, Genesis does what Nintendo don't in their advertising campaigns. But during the 92 to 94 years, what other slogan did they use? I have no idea. Like, I, it, it probably had something like with the mm. word fear or the word rage in it. But I it's, honestly it's, don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know either. It turns out that the slogan from in 92 was welcome to the next level. Oh, okay. Yeah, who knew? I mean, I guess not me. (laughs) Not me. Uh, All right. Number seven. At what event was the game Halo originally unveiled? Uh, I think CES and in the year 2000. The year 2000. No, Uh, unfortunately, it was not CES. It was Macworld. Oh, oh, which I did. have. uh, I did know that. Uh, and luckily, the year question was not official. Uh, I know, I, it wasn't. which is good because I got it wrong. <laughs> um, I had thought I thought it was ninety seven, but it was ninety nine. Um, oh, I was I was I was waffling between ninety nine and two thousand, but I, I went with uh, the new year instead. All right, uh, number nine. No, number eight. Who was credited as the creator of the Game Boy, and what was their last gaming credit? Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I mean, I've been going first all this time. I might as well just go with that. Um, so as I said, I knew this. I don't know why I know this, but it's Mark Cerny and the last game was Knack 2. You son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you got me. Uh, You set me up. You set me up. I love it. It's really good. Um... (laughs) So I had the name right, uh, but I didn't. I don't know. I didn't know the game. Uh, it's Gunpei Yokoi. Um, okay. So I'm sure. Is, I'm sure is not how you pronounce that. Um, and then last game credit. Uh, okay, Gunpei Yokoi, last game. Um, sh- this one's gonna be hard for me to track down. <laughs> Oh, that Knack 2 joke is so <laughs> solid. It's really good. <sighs> I can't find it, uh, but neither of us knew, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> no one gets the points nope. on it. Um, number nine, what was the storage size for a Sony PlayStation memory card in 1995? Hearing the question again, I think I, I went too big, but I want to say 32 megabytes. Ooh, so I said eight megabytes yeah you're probably Um, right i'm pretty sure it's that yeah i think i went way too big (gasps) oh oh no i might be too big oh oh no 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 no. how much memory is on a ps1 memory card eight megabytes yes oh wait no 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 holy shit eight megabytes was ps2 no shit do you want to know how many how big a ps1 memory card is please tell me 128 kilobytes wow well I, to be fair and i've said this on the podcast before i never had an original playstation so neither did i this was very hard for me to know i mean i guess like if you i don't know man 128k seems so small yeah i mean especially like in e- retrospect yeah right even for 1995 but um okay or hmm, some people are saying I'm, I'm seeing other results saying one megabyte and that seems a little more reasonable to me yeah um, they probably came in various sizes so but eight, eight was wrong um okay well that's what i get for not owning a ps1 i guess uh finally number 10 who was the creator of the first video game technically speaking 
Uh, I said I didn't put an answer and I wish I'd come up with a joke answer. Please tell me you put Mark Cerny again. <laughs> no, I'm not going to use the same joke. I put Randy okay. Pitchford. Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to change my answer to Ross Perot. Um, <laughs> answer is physicist William Higginbotham um, in 1958. Thought to be the first video game. Very simple tennis game, similar to Pong. Um, please show me an oscilloscope so I can be like partially right. <sighs> yep, it was on an oscilloscope. I did remember that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean it's not what it's not what the question was, so it doesn't help me that much, but uh I'll take it. You should. That was fun. I liked that. I did like that one. More of that. Do more of those. Uh oh, also, also. Oh, 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 oh. Um he it's he magic. includes he does have answers at the very end of this. So let's see what he put. Let's see if his answers line up with ours. Uh question one, yes. Question two, yes. Three, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, he did put the year of Macworld in his answers. Uh, oh, the answer. Oh, the last gaming credit for Gunpei Yokoi was the Bandai Wonderswan. So it wasn't even a. That's right. It was the fucking Wonderswan. That was the last thing he did. <laughs> the fucking Wonderswan. The fucking Wonderswan. I think maybe that's an episode title. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah. We're, oh. we're getting really bad at remembering to do those. Yeah. Oh, at least you have something else. But yeah. Uh, well, and, and we can do a censored version of it, right? Yeah, for sure. Actually, I really like, I kind of like that. Uh, <laughs> all right. That was great. Uh, send us more quizzes. Challenge us. Stump us. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really good. And I, I felt great. like it did accurately ramp up in difficulty as well. Yeah, I did too. It was, it was very, uh, it was good. It got start, started real easy. Uh, although it's funny with, with trivia, like difficulty is subjective, right? Yeah. Um, based on based on what any particular person knows. Oh boy, that was fun. Thank you, Ed, for sending that in. I really, I had a lot of of good times. If, uh, if only, if only, hello was still here to to watch this. If only, if only the random person lurking in chat and and trying to derail me in the pre-show was still here. Perhaps they'll watch the vod, or perhaps they've subscribed. Shout out to I, hello. I sure hope so. They did follow you, so there's that. That's true. There's they can they can come back and find me very easily. <sighs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of QuickSave. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at EV underscore R-O-W-E. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, so you can find me at Hawk underscore S-E and also saving content and also salt on fries is okay excellent great uh please remember to visit us at savingcontent.com for news and reviews uh scott's got a fresh review of evil genius 2 up on the site right now you should go check that out uh if you have questions that you'd like to have answered on the podcast or if you want to send us some more trivia wink wink please send any of that business into quicksave at savingcontent.com or reach out to us on twitter at savingcontent last little bit requests little thing i gotta ask you for if you're enjoying the show 
number one, please tell your friends and recommend the show to them. Number two, uh, we would sure appreciate a five-star review on the uh, iTunes podcast directory. Uh, that does, in fact, help boost our visibility and discoverability, and it's a really quick and easy way to help the show without having to spend a single cent. Not that we're taking money right now. Or corrections. Until next time, you know what they say. Thank you.